Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rick Pettigrew, and here are our top news stories from this past week of Archaeologica. Send us feedback on the Archaeology Channel Facebook page or post a message on our social networking site, Archaeoseek. Skull fragments from Crimea appear to show that the first modern humans in Western Europe migrated westward from Eastern Europe. A mass burial of headless skeletons in a Chinese village is a prime example of headhunting during the Neolithic. A huge trove of Roman coins came to light on the seafloor just off the coast of Sardinia. And Mexican archaeologists working at Edzna and Campeche State have identified a building with architectural connections to Chichen Itza in Yucatan, far to the northeast. Thanks to everyone for supporting our subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, available at heritagetac.org. We now have hundreds of titles you can binge upon on Roku. Please help us spread the word. Again, that link is heritagetac.org. Our tour program, TAC Tours, will continue in 2024 with our fifth tour of incredible sites in Iran. Please join us. The link to our tour program is at archaeologychannel.org tours. And now here's Laura Kennedy with the audio news from Archaeologica. We hope you find this to be a valuable part of your day. Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Kennedy, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for November 5th through the 11th, 2023. Our first story this week focuses on two skull fragments from Ukraine that may be the earliest examples of anatomically modern Homo sapiens in Europe. The fragments were found in 2009 at the Berhankea III archaeological site in the Crimean Peninsula. The genomes of the two people represented have now been analyzed by a French team and compared to other ancient individuals and modern Europeans. The results suggest that these two people were part of a large migration into Europe during the Upper Paleolithic that interbred with and eventually replaced the Neanderthals who lived in Europe before them. As reported by the science website phys.org, this analysis allowed the team to generate a broad, up-to-date model of population movements, interactions, and replacements during the Upper Paleolithic, the period from around 40,000 to 12,000 years ago. This period was characterized by the expansion of anatomically modern humans worldwide. The two individuals were actually part of the second wave of European settlement by modern humans. The first population was wiped out by an ice age lasting 40 centuries, which followed the eruption of a supervolcano near present-day Naples, Italy. While the genomes of that first wave are not found in present-day Europeans, Traces of interbreeding with them do appear in a sample from the second wave, indicating that the first modern humans were not completely replaced, and some must have survived the ecological crisis. The Burhankaya III fragments also revealed a genetic link with contemporary and later Caucasian populations, indicating the direction of early migration was from the Middle East, through the Caucasus into present-day Ukraine. This suggests that the ancestors of anatomically modern humans came from Eastern Europe and migrated westward. The strongest genetic link discovered in the Crimean fragments is with samples found in southwest France and northeast Spain, followed by samples from Austria and the Czech Republic. This connects them to the classical Gravettian period in Central and Western Europe, dating from 26,000 to 34,000 years ago. 
That culture is known for producing female ivory statues, known as the Gravettian Venuses, which were found in those four areas. This suggests the individuals from Burhankaya III were ancestors of the Gravettian people, perhaps already practicing a culture that can be described as proto-Gravettian. The study appears in the online journal Nature, Ecology, and Evolution. Next, we go to Honghe in northeastern China, where the discovery of 41 headless skeletons has shed light on the Neolithic practice of taking enemy heads as trophies. 32 of the headless victims appear to have been killed in a single event, making this the largest headhunting event from Neolithic China on record. According to LiveScience.com, 68 skeletons dating from 4,100 to 4,400 years ago have been recovered from the settlement. Artifacts, including bone and stone tools and pottery, appeared with the skeletons. Most of the skeletons were in mass graves in two houses, along with three tombs and a pit outside the house. The site, first discovered in the 1990s, has seen six previous excavations. Surprisingly, all 41 of the headless skeletons belong to females and juveniles. The researchers hypothesized that rival attackers may have targeted women and children to create an interpersonal conflict with a high level of cruelty. According to senior author Qian Huang of Texas A&M University, cut marks on the neck vertebrae suggest that the attackers wielded knives with stone blades. The new study proposes two possible reasons behind the beheading— One is that it was a ritual in which taking heads allowed the conquerors to possess the souls and energy of the victims. According to Wang, this particular ritual might have required the heads of women and children. The other possibility is warfare between communities, which is suggested by the triple trenches around the settlement probably built for defense. Since most Honghu people would have been farmers, fishers, and hunters, the attackers may have struck while many villagers were away working. When they returned to the massacred bodies of their loved ones, they might have buried them in the houses and abandoned the settlement. Our third story takes us to the Mediterranean Sea, where a diver off Arzakaina on the northeastern shore of Sardinia found thousands of bronze coins shimmering among the seagrass in shallow waters. The coins were a late Roman type called folis, made of bronze or copper, and used in the first half of the 4th century. The diver notified the authorities, and the Italian Ministry of Culture dispatched an art protection dive squad, including firefighters, border police, and members of the ministry's undersea archaeology department. As reported by Archaeonews.net, the coins date to the early 4th century, and a weight-based estimate indicates a number between 30 and 50,000 specimens. If confirmed, the figure will surpass the previous record of 22,888 coins found in 2013 in Seton, England. All but four of the Sardinian coins are extremely well-preserved, and even the four damaged pieces are still legible. The coins are from AD 324 to 340, as shown by the representations of Constantine the Great and other family members. They come from almost all the mints of the empire that were active during that period. Deposits of amphorae, tall, narrow-necked Roman or Greek jugs with two handles, were also found. 
These were from Africa and eastern provinces, and were still as close-packed as they had been when they were loaded onto a ship for transport. Because the majority of the coins were found in a sandy area, between the underwater seagrass and the beach, archaeologists think the remains of the ship transporting them could be nearby. But to find it, time will be of the essence. According to Luigi La Rocca, a Sardinian archaeology department official, the area is fragile and constantly threatened by natural and human activity. Our last story takes us to Edna, a Maya city on the Yucatan Peninsula in the Mexican state of Campeche. Edna is known for its sophisticated water management system and terraced farming layout, which allowed it to grow faster and larger than neighboring city-states. Edna translates in Maya to House of the Itzas, which has led some to propose that the city was the first home of the Itza family before they moved on to found the iconic city of Chichen Itza, one of the largest cities in the Maya world. As reported by Heritage Daily, archaeological work by specialists from the Mexican National Institute of Anthropology and History has revealed that one of Edna's buildings, Structure 512, is architecturally similar to the courtyard-gallery-type buildings of Chichen Itza, located nearly 191 miles away from Edna in the state of Yucatan. Previous studies had noted signs of the Puuk Hills style in Edzna architecture, in keeping with Edzna's location just southwest of the Puuk Hills. This distinctive style is characterized by fine stonework, deeply cut facades, and decorated friezes. The newly observed similarities in architectural layout between Edzna and Chichen Itza suggest that its cultural links stretched even farther east than previously believed. Structure 512 dates from the early post-classic period, which ran from AD 900 to 1200, but was constructed on an earlier building from the classic period, lasting from AD 200 to 600. The quadrangular design features a porticoed entrance with two bays, two columns that supported a roof, and a lower chamber excavated into the bedrock that likely functioned as a tomb. The region around Edna was already part of the Maya civilization by the 5th century BC and became a major population center around AD 200. Based on radiocarbon dating, Edna is believed to have fallen in the 10th century, though archaeologists aren't sure why. It would continue to function as a religious pilgrimage destination for many years. In modern times, the site remained unknown until local farmers rediscovered it in 1906. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. Also, check out our growing subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, at heritagetac.org. I'm Laura Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by. (music) 